Marianne Van Peebles was the executive producer, writer-director on an interesting series called Superstition. It involved a family of hunters of supernatural creatures set in New Orleans. And this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. In a roundtable, here is that driving force in Mario Van Peebles. How hard is it to wear all these hats? Yeah, that's a good question. I I think part of it is that when you grow up, um, if you grow up on a family farm, you learn a little bit about feeding the chickens, plowing the North 40, taking care of the horses. It's all sort of part of the zen of farming. And, you know, when you grow up with Melvin Van people's movies or Melvin Van movies, my dad, you know, and you're an independent filmmaker, you learn as a kid to carry the cables, to be a PA, to be an editor, to be, to do all those things. And it's all part of the, the zen of, you know, independent filmmaking and that you, you kind of need to know it all. And I didn't really realize until later on as an adult that those were sort of carved up into different sections because it was all part of the, it's part of the family filmmaking thing. So, I kind of grew up doing it and being pretty fluid, and I saw my dad do it. If you think back to when my dad did um, Sweet Sweet Back, Badass Song in 1971, um, that became the top-grossing independent hit of that year. And then and I grew up seeing him do it. He was acting in it. He wrote it. He produced it. He worked on the music with a new group called Earth, Wind, and Fire. And and so I kind of grew up thinking, oh, geez, that's what filmmaking is. Gee, I didn't, I didn't know any better. Um, and my family's kind of like the Jacksons without the talent. You know, we just get in there and we're scrappy and we make it happen. And then 20 years later, almost uh, to the month, after 1971 and 1991, I directed and acted in my first feature, which was New Jack City. So I guess I grew up with it and it feels pretty, um, it, it feels very organic to me. And I think sometimes as a filmmaker director, uh, I mean, as an actor director, it's easier to actually direct other actors because you kind of give them what you want to get. So you create a climate where they can do their best work and you sort of, you know, you have a different, um, bedside manner if you're not only a doctor, but you're also a patient. So I think it, it allows me to talk with them, you know, speak the language and, uh, and really get in there and mix it up. So it's, it's, it's actually something I grew up with. More on superstition in a moment. Hi, Mario. It's great to talk to you, man. Uh, an admirer of your work. Thank you. And behind the camera, too. Damn, you're not even a relative of mine. So that's <laughs> good, <to you. laughs> uh, <laughs> good. Give me a smart one, then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I, first of all, I, I mean, I'm all about diversity this year, and I'm totally loving, the, you know, the cast and how it's all set up. Uh, it's it's great. Um, as, as far as the mythology of the show, uh, I, did you do some research along with your writing partner to kind of come up with a certain type of mythology that you wanted to use on the program? Yeah, well, it was really this has been a collaborative effort. So it was it was it was Barry uh, Gordon and and Justin and and Chris and Joel and uh, it was you know and and really looking at it saying this is you know, sort of an underserved uh, demographic and you have the world is getting more diverse. America is getting more diverse. And we kind of kicked around and laughed about, well, first of all, sort of the American South is sort of this very rich sort of setting, sort oh, of this yeah. fictional town of La Rochelle um, that had this sort of American Gothic kind of quality, but it had so many because, you know, America is a melting pot and you, you know, you take a, a 
uh, a place like America and you take, you know, Italian immigrants and uh, Africans who maybe didn't come voluntarily and Native Americans and Asians and, 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 and Jews from Europe and, and you put us all together and you do get sparks, but out of those sparks, you get great art and great music. And so out of America, you get jazz and rock and roll and hip hop and gospel and all this great music and all this texture. And that's because you've got all these folks in this sort of cultural human melting pot. And we thought the New South really reflects that. You get Republicans and Democrats and climate change deniers and, you know, especially in a place like New Orleans and around there, you get all kind of people who voted for the president, people who didn't, all kind of folks. And, and you get sparks and you get friction and it's exciting. We thought this is a very exciting, diverse America that we wanted to show. And I think part of the other thing we kicked around was this notion that, you know, what would the, what would the Obamas really be like when the cameras go off? You know, if you took a family that was a pretty tight family, had a lot of love, smart family, when the cameras go off, if they had to deal with infernals and demons and fight the, the forces outside, what would that family look and feel and sound like? And that became sort of a something we kicked about as well. So it, it was a number of things, but the notion of seeing America like you don't traditionally see us, all of us, and all our flavors, and that on both sides of the equation, the quote-unquote human and, and infernal side, you'd see all flavors, all colors, all all choices. Awesome. No, I, 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 I'm totally uh, digging that. And, yeah, setting in the South is perfect. I mean, it's just, it's so rich of super, yeah. literally superstition. You know, it, it's really part of the fabric of the South. So it's, uh, it's great. Yeah, and, again, because, you know, you get, you get so many different demographics that come mm-hmm. with their, their own sort of old country superstitions as well as, as how that melting pot, if you will, evolves and becomes the fabric of America. Yep. Absolutely. Love the show so far. Thank you, sir. Oh, I'm glad, man. That's good to hear. Will we see more of you in the series? In the in the town of La Rochelle, you know, and in Superstition, all things are possible. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, you know, I think I, I'll have to I'll have to do do like our president does and says something big is going to happen, and you'll see when. And, <laughs> and Mexico is going to pay for it. <laughs> uh, well, at least you didn't come. tell me the right. <laughs> No, yeah, no, 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 no. Okay. Um, all I can say is I've been sworn to secrecy, and they tell me I'd have to right. kill myself if I told you. More things <laughs> happen, and uh, yeah, I think uh, I have to leave it at that. Otherwise, they zap me. But um, I understand. Yeah, some big things come up, and uh, and it's pretty. It, yeah. So that's <laughs> like in the land of La Rochelle, a lot of things happen that are that you go, oh. But uh, the fun of the show, I think, to me is that, you know, hopefully it works on a number of levels. And one level is that it, that it is a bit of a mind better and that it, hopefully, it, you know, it's, it's fun, uh, it's entertaining, it, it's fun to watch. And it, but I think it also hopefully provokes a little thought. And that's, that's, that's one of the things that I always think there are three loves in life. Love what you do. And I love the field I'm in. Love and enjoy the folks you do it with, and, and many of these people I've worked with, including my daughter Morgana, who's who's plays Garvey. So it's been bring your daughter to work day for the last four months. Oh, cool! Um, and, and then love what you say with your work, and that and if you get those three to line up, you know, love what you do, love who you do it with, and love what you say with your work, then you're rich no matter what the paycheck is. And in this particular case, a lot of the the, the what the show has to say at its core, I really enjoy. I like that. 
the infernals, which would be, you know, the bad guys, if you will, are coming now more than ever to put us human beings in check because of our recklessness and how we sort of not cared for the planet. And so the, the notion of, you know, which end of the telescope do you look through and, and who then is the bad guy if they're coming to do that? And Isaac, you know, has sort of been charged to some degree with keeping, and his family with keeping the balance. And uh, it's a tricky one because there's no there's no all good or no all bad in this show, and you have to discern a little bit. And again, a lot of it's steeped in things that you can Google and look up and sort of so it's mm-hmm. usually based in some sort of real American mythology um, that goes way back. And that's part of the fun of doing this. It's, it's really a discovery for us, all of us, that way. He talks about the advice his father gave him. You know, there, Mark Twain has a great quote where he says, all my life my father was an idiot, and at 21 he was a genius. And <laughs> when I wanted to go off and get into to film and do all that, I, I went to sit down with my dad, and my dad sort of said, oh, so you want me to make you a star? And I said, well, yeah, actually. And he said, good. He drew a little star on a piece of paper. He handed it to me. And then he said, here's my, my free advice. is early to bed, early to rise, work like hell, and advertise. And that was it. And, and so I went off and, you know, I wasn't happy with that, but I went off and, and I got into theater. I did a lot of plays in New York. And then I got a break in a film called Cotton Club, directed by Coppola and um, uh, people I would later work with, uh, we're all in, we're in the film, and, and including Nicolas Cage. Um, and slowly, you know, got out to L.A. and started to work my way up. And then I got my own TV show called Sunny Spoon and Heartbreak Ridge and started directing New Jack City, et cetera, et cetera. And I looked back later on and was really glad that my my dad had, you know, had sort of that thing of do it yourself, man. You do it yourself. And, and uh, because you can't. If everyone loves to, you know, every kid has an innate understanding of playing make believe, and we all love to, you know, play make believe. But that doesn't mean you're going to make a living as an actor or a filmmaker. It doesn't mean you'll be able to monetize it. I think if everyone could do what they love, you'd have a lot more food tasters and porn stars. But we're not all cut out for that. (laughs) So I mean, as much as I love to, you know, do those, you know, that's not what everybody's cut out to do. And so it was really good to have to to fight my way up a little bit. Um, having the last name Van Peebles didn't hurt. Well, sometimes it did, but most times it didn't. Um, and so in a way, yes, then I circled back. I was in the family business, circled back. My dad sort of said, do it yourself. And, and But by the time I really started rocking and rolling, I was able to connect with him. And we were on a movie called Panther, about the Black Panthers. And keep in mind, I'd done New Jack City, which was... You know, a hit biggest, the biggest Warner hit of that year. And then I did Posse. And then I went off to do a movie on the Black Panther Party, which is a tricky movie politically to get done. And my dad wrote it. We produced it together. He looked at me. He said, son, he said, I am so amazed that, that we get to work together in this lifetime and that you're, you're courageous and you, you have the heart to do films that are not always easy to do, but films that really say something. And whether people like them or not, they'll remember them when they see them. And that became part of what I want to do. I want to do films that, and television that have something to say, that entertain you, yes, but hopefully have a little nutritional value. So there are parallels to that. And I suppose that to some degree in, in Superstition, I am now playing the dad, uh, but, but secretly I want my son back. I want to work with him. This is a dream come true. In casting the series? Yeah. What I wanted was... Um, cast that I, I felt that you, that felt smart. 
that felt like people that you'd want to have a drink with and that at the core felt like people that you, you that you would laugh and hug and that and that um are in essence positive and happy to be who they are so what do i mean by that there's certain people that just you, you feel from them that they enjoy being themselves and i wanted a family that one you believed is a family that would that could um overcome uh, issues that families often face, but at, at the core of the show, it's life affirming. I wanted the family to feel like they were multicultural. That within the dynamic of our American family, you know, you could feel that you know at times my wife could be you know more in the Michelle Obama mode, but at night, you know, when when she's got it to get into her full sort of you know mystic uh, side, other things come out. And other sides come out. So I wanted people who had a duality, people who were multicultural, um, people who could speak other languages, people who could laugh at self, and, and, and people who were bilingual. And I don't just mean bilingual in terms of language, but even in bilingual in terms of socioeconomic divide, that they could talk to the brother or sister in the street or the, the brother and the sister in the trailer park, but they could also talk to someone at the White House. Kind of like that Kipling poem, you know, talk with the crowds nor lose your virtue, walk with the kings nor lose the common touch. If neither loving friends nor foes can hurt you, and if all men count with you but none too much, if you can feel the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds of distance run, yours is the world and everything in it, and which is more, you'll be a man, my son, or a woman. And, and I wanted folks who kind of got the joke of life. I felt if we're going to do this in the long haul, I want the funnest, best, smartest, you know, family that I can get and and that's what we went after and we found them and it's been a ride and as we go on it just becomes more and more that way not to mention the fact that some of them are legitimately my family he talks about his daughter who also appears in superstition oh I'm glad I'm glad I'm glad yeah she she um she might, she's a she's a smart cookie she's at Columbia so she's taking a semester off to do the show and I said, and she's, you know, she's old enough to get her own place. And I said, honey, you get money. You don't have to live with dad. She said, no, nope, I want to live with you, dad. And so we've been playing house and we, she's vegan and we're trying to, she's trying to keep me healthy. So we have our little vegetarian meals and we work out together at the gym and it's been fun. And bring your daughter to work week for a couple months. It's great. Are the Hastings blessed with any special skills or abilities? Oh man, how can I tell you that? <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're, that's the question you're supposed to ask. That's why you watch the next one, Alex. Come on, man. <laughs> I could ask you another question. That is, a, that is, a, that, no, that, that's a great question. Stay with that. Um, I think you find out over time that we're all individually suited, but collectively the, the sum of our parts, we, the, the, whole, the sum of the family, the family together is greater than the sum of our parts. And, you know, as we link up and really work together more, it's not just that the four of us are four. They actually, it, it becomes, there's a power in our unity. And that's also something that I wanted to, to show here, that I think there's a power in unity and family. And, and let me just go through this real quick. I'll just take you through this. This is, has to do a little bit with soul maturity. And this is something that I feel I wanted Isaac to have, the character I play. If you have a baby cries when it's wet, it cries when it's hungry, and it's aware of its own physicality, okay, because now suddenly it's out in the world and gets cold and hungry and wet, okay? So it cries when those things arise. Now, as the baby gets older, 
it becomes more aware of, oh, I've got brothers and sisters, I've got mom and dad. Now it realizes, gee, if dad's unemployed, if mom is, is sick, it can't be happy because now it's affected by the family. So that's the next circle, right? So it realizes, oh, I can't really be solid if we're, we've got no home and we've got no, you know, and, and no job and no, no means. Then so now the baby's got, okay, I've got to care about the family. And now the baby realizes, well, wait a minute, okay, now, but say my people, okay, so in other words, if my, if the socioeconomic or racial group I'm born into is downtrodden and unemployed and getting kicked across the border, then we're all in trouble again and we're getting arrested by the police or whatever it is, whatever you're dealing with, I can't be healthy without understanding it. It's not just me, it's not just my family, it's all people, it's all my people. And then he goes, okay, now it matures a little more. He says, now I've got kids, but I'm sending my kid to school with that Asian kid and that black kid and that Jewish kid and that Chinese kid. I'm sending them to school, so i got to worry about the whole human family. And then it goes bigger than that. Say, well, what are we eating? Are we eating polluted food? Are we eating chemicals? i got to worry about the mineral kingdom and the plant kingdom. And the, the more you grow as a soul, unless you get stopped along the way, the more you realize we're all interconnected. And that it's not just about the web of your own biological family. And I just, I did Roots. And one of the things on Roots was we got our, our, um, our, um, our racial makeup done. So, you know, the 23andMe or Ancestry, whatever, whatever those are. And my, my pie chart, like everyone's pie chart is, is really mixed. I've got, I've got, you know, I've got African blood from West Africa. I've got a lot of European blood, English, British, French, and I've got some Native American blood. And as you understand the story of the Hastings, we are really all American. And so, as you'll find out with Isaac, and I can tell you this, he's got some heavyweight European blood and African blood. And so, the human family is part of his family. And that's the bigger understanding. So, Dr. King would say, we either learn to live together as brothers and sisters or perish together as fools. I add to that, we learn to live together as brothers and sisters in harmony now with nature, not just with each other, or we perish together as fools. And so in future episodes, one inferno comes through and says, God's not listening to y'all anymore because y'all done messed up. That's why we're sending you this crazy weather. So there's things in here that make you go, wow, it's not just about black and white and poor and rich getting along. we got to get right with Mother Nature. You know, there's certain laws, the law of gravity, the law of climate change, that say you got, it doesn't matter if you deny them or not. If you deny gravity, they don't care. You step off a building, your ass will fall down. And so some of the things we deal with in superstition deal with a common denominator of the human family, not just the Hastings family. And that's, I think, when it gets exciting and really broadens us out. That's my hope. More with Mario Van Peebles on his series, Superstition, in a moment. He talks about directing the series. I've had the honor and the... (sighs) I've directed a lot, and I've often done it with my own money. And I think when you do things with the family, though, and you and suddenly your dad's going, "Hey, you better not go over." On the side, like, okay, um, it gives you a different sort of consciousness about the whole thing because you, you know, as my dad would say when I was growing up, he said, "Look, some dad might teach you to play ball. Hopefully, I can teach you how to how to own the team, how to understand the business side of show business." And so. I went to Columbia and he pushed me to get a degree in economics, which I did, and, and later on realized that I, as speaking the language of finance freed me up as an artist. So now I had to I realize, oh, well, if I can make this in this many days and save this money over here, then I can use it for the ending and not be sort of, not 
be reactive artistically without understanding the business part of the show. And and so I think that experience, the experience I've had early on directing film, but also theater and also TV, you know, I started out doing my first directing job with my own show, Sunny Spoon, back when Brandon Tartikoff was over at NBC and I was working with Stephen Cannell. And um, uh, so I did, I directed that show and then I directed uh, Jump Streets with Johnny Depp and Wise Guys with Ken Wall and then I directed New Jack City. So I, I got a lot of experience. Um, but one of, one of the things that I also think is, is very helpful is to keep pushing the envelope. So when I'm not directing film, I just did a film, a new film coming out called Armed, which is it's a thriller that takes place, you know, with a guy that's dangerously armed in a kind of world of a climate of lax gun control or lax gun sense. And so that that comes out February 2nd. And I produced it and wrote it and directed it and Bill Fickner's in it and uh, um, um, Ryan Guzman is in it and a bunch of folks. But part of what I do is I put projects together a lot. And so it allows me to cast people from film and television to take great techniques I've learned in television and move them over to film. I directed a bunch of bloodlines and acted in those. So it all mixes up and it gets very natural. So people, you know, you said left hand, right hand, which do you like more? I sort of find that they work really well together. And again, like I said earlier, it allows me to get in there with the actors and really have a dialogue with them as one of them. And that's super helpful when you want to get that great performance. How do you avoid those horror tropes? Uh, good question. I mean, I think... You know, part of it is drawing on life experience that we have, you know, when we, in the writer's room, a lot of the writers brought, you know, experiences they had and all of our experiences vary. So I think finding that line between where something can be entertaining as a concept and, you know, where it's, where it's real. And I think one of the ways that we avoid it is by having, um, by really by having great actors that bring that to the role that you know that they are fathers and sons and mothers and daughters and you know so allowing them the space to say let's take this and rework it so there's sometimes where we'll, we'll rework a scene you know uh, together and we'll we'll find it together and make sure that it's based in you know that there's a sense of reality and I think even with in this first pilot you get a sense of okay there's there's stuff going on, but there's layers to this case. It's not super, it's not simplistic. Um, I think you get a sense that they, they are stronger together, but they have, they have real issues to work out. And that's how we've been finding our way so far by understanding that the script is a blueprint often. It's a good blueprint, but we have to make sure that the human element, the family element, um, feels right. And there's been times when we said, you know what? That doesn't feel right. It doesn't even feel culturally right for us sometimes. So there's sometimes things we go and we'll try it on and go, no, it bumps for us and we'll find another way around it. Um, and that's part of a process. I was just doing a scene just now and one of the second team uh, guys came up to me and he said, you know, I've got this idea. And, you know, often there are filmmakers that don't listen to, to ideas from other people. And I find some of my best ideas weren't my ideas at all. I said, well, before you tell me, I'm going to pretend it's my idea. <laughs> 
And he came up with a great idea. I said, oh, it's got to be it. We made the adjustment in the script right then, and boom, we did it. And so there's a fun in that, and then I think everyone knows they can bring their creativity to it and their perspective to it. You don't have to leave yourself at the door. And I think that's what makes it fresh. Um, I think there's sort of a timelessness to La Rochelle, this fictional town that we're in, that also makes it fresh. And also, I think the the more multiculty um, uh dynamic just in terms of cast gives it a different perspective. In this particular episode we're doing right now, there's a character called Uncle Bubba who's played by the, the comedian Bruce Bruce from Atlanta. And he brings a whole other vibe to it. You know, just a whole other fresh look. So we mix it up and you go, oh, this cat is in it. And then Jasmine Guy comes into an episode and, you know, someone else comes over here and it, it's, you know, it's exciting to see that, that this is a show that folks want to come in and out of. And I think that's partly due to the, the, the writer's room, you know, you know, hopefully making it smart and, and, and character-driven. You know, if you don't care about his running and cut, jumping and kicking, you don't really care. You don't give a shit. So you gotta, you got to go, oh, wow, I like, I want to be with these people. And here's the other thing. You know, it, they, and they're not doing stupid things. So sometimes in horror movies, people do stuff you would never do. We go, we, if we get to a page and go, man... My character would never go back in that haunted house looking for the kid. <laughs> He'll be like, I'll come back yeah. tomorrow. You know, so we try to read it that way with the, with the bullshit meter and go, man, I would not do this. You know what I mean? And, you know, so how would, how does that happen? How does, how do we make sure that, uh, Robin Lee's character, V, is elegant and all that great stuff and a loving mom, but still might, you know, you know, cop that shotgun when it comes time to be mama bear. You know what I mean? So that each character is 360. You know, each character is multidimensional. And that's that's part of the fun of it. And that's part of the challenge. That's a good question. Is this character similar to him? Uh, quite often. You know, it, it, that's an interesting question. And now I'm, 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 and I think that's one of the things I, that is so terrific about life, if you're lucky enough to live a long, full life, as I, as I am, so far anyway, knock on wood. <laughs> um, is that you know one day you're the you're the child next day you're and you're climbing over trying to take apples from your neighbor's yard and next day you're a homeowner and you have an apple tree and that kid's climbing over into your yard and now you know one day you're 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 chasing someone's daughter and next day you have a daughter you know and so <laughs> it, life gives you a chance to play all those different roles and learn from each perspective and and I grew up seeing my dad do a lot of this and I learned you know, what to do, what not to do. Um, and, you know, often he has these great Melvinisms. You know, he'll, he'll just say certain things that, that just, you know, he'll like, for example, he'll, someone, someone asks him, well, Melvin Van Peebles, do you feel lucky? And he goes, oh, luck is preparation meets opportunity. <laughs> you know, and, and I find myself, yeah, if you're prepared and, you're, and your life provides you the opportunity, then you'll be lucky. You know, if you're not prepared, life provides you an opportunity. Your ass ain't gonna be lucky. <laughs> you know, so he 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 has these great Melvinisms. So there's a, and he has this way of talking that I call he calls ghetto gothic, which is he'll 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 hit you with a nice big word, but then he'll break it down into sort of every man style. And there's a fun to that. And I, one of the things that I I sort of thought about with my character Isaac is that he can be lofty. He can know the the quote from. You know, but uh, an African quote or something from the motherland, and something from you know a European quote. But then on the other side, he 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 can talk to that everyman brother in the street, and that's a really great thing. I like back to that Kipling thing of talking to the crowds, nor lose your virtue. Walk with the kings, nor lose the common touch. And there's a great 
he has a great uh, sense of humor and getting the joke of life mm. and has never been bitter. That's the thing. You know, he's gone through a lot. He's a cat who started directing when there were no black directors. And he went yeah. to Columbia Pictures and said, I want to direct movies. And they said, we don't need elevator operators. And he didn't get bitter. He said to me, son, there's three kinds of people in the world. There's people that watch stuff happen. There's people that complain about what happened. And there's people that make things happen. And the damn people, we get out there and make it happen. You might not like the show. You might not like the movie. But rather than just complaining about what's on TV or what's not on TV, get out there and put it on TV. Yeah. And, yeah. and hopefully, if you build it, they will come. And so that's very much a, 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 a Melvin Van movie sentiment. You know, and, and Barry has that. Barry Gordon has that. And Joel, my, my partner on this, and, the, you know, we, we're all scrappy guys that had to make our way out of no way. And that's fun. You know, it's, it's, it's a fun team like that because we, we've all been poor kids. And, and yeah. when you make a movie like that and you make a show like that, you appreciate all of it, you know. Yeah. Um, so I think that there's a lot of that. I, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I like to think that I'm a good, I'm not a boss, but I'm a good boss. If I am a boss, that I'm, that I, I, I'm fun and I can create a climate where people can do their good work, but they know to take it seriously. They know to work hard. They know I will call them out. You know, yeah. they know if they're, if they're, if they got the same last name as me, they better get there early and leave late. You know, so, you know. Well, there will uh, be no weak link with you know you know and other thing is the other thing is we're, we we in my family you never confuse people that you love with being people that are good at what they think they want to do case in point i have a i have a child i'm not i'm not, I'm not gonna name no name that <laughs> is a, a wonderful singer she's got a voice like whitney houston i mean it's awesome in her head but to the rest of us she sounds like a dying cat when she sings like, i know in her head she's mariah carey but to the rest of us, she can't sing a lick. Okay? Now, I got to, luckily, she's very smart. So I go, they would say, baby, singing might not be the way. <laughs> Maybe you need to work on your law degree. Now she's killing it, making laws in the Senate. She's doing her thing. She's a powerhouse. You know, my wow. mother, my mother loves to act. And I'm sure my mother in her head is, is a burden, right? But but I never hire her because girl can't act. Now that doesn't mean I don't love my mother. You know what I mean. So I may if I, if I love you, I'm going to tell you the truth. That's just a part of yeah. the, the van yeah. people's mantle. So I don't just put you in because because you want to be in. You better bring something to the mix. Has he had any supernatural experiences? Yeah, that that's a good question. So uh, um, to the first question, have I personally experienced any strange or unusual phenomenon? Yes, yes. I have. Yeah, and and I've known other people that have too. Now, strange usually means things that folks don't understand, right? So mm-hmm. you can go to the middle of a field and take a box with you, and and get music out of that box. You don't see the the jazz player or the bass player. You can change the channel and get hip hop, and that's called a radio. Now, if you didn't understand what radio waves were, you would go, oh, "Okay, on this physical plane or in this dimension." Uh, I don't get how this works. Do you know what I mean? I don't really understand, really, truth be told, how an airplane works. But I get in there, I get in the big metal tube with everybody else who seems to believe and somehow we land somewhere else. There are things we don't understand. Water can be in a solid, a liquid, or a gas. Do you know what I mean? The use of energy. That we know that this phone I'm talking to you right now is uh, is not solid. It's actually particles 
vibrating very close together. So it's held together by energy and information. Now, once you understand the keys to the energy and information, you realize that we're all semi-permeable membrane. Part of the fun of this was was going around and going through sort of you know the 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 history of Americana and saying what what superstitions, what belief systems. What sort of cultural nuances and idiosyncrasies can we play with? And how do we do that each, with each, um, episode and play with it? What do we do when we go, when someone gets lost in the mirror world? What do you do when someone gets caught in a clock and in a time warp? And, you know, what's the concept of time? Uh, speaking of time, they're, they're telling me I don't have much time left to talk on the phone. So I've experienced some of this. I won't go into too much. Uh, personal detail, but yes, I've definitely experienced, and I'm not talking about just taking airplanes. I've experienced, um, you know, something that happened with a with a sort of past life uh, um, regression that I went into. Uh, that was I wasn't I didn't believe it, but man, when I saw it, I thought, oh yes, this is very familiar, and I don't want to go back to that lifetime. Um, I've had that happen with my kids where we went to do things together and someone uh, did a reading for us and it was very very illuminating and it really actually helped me be a better parent but I'm a weird guy and that I'm personally okay with saying I don't know I don't really know what happens when we die I'll find out and I look forward to finding out I don't want to find out too soon I want to enjoy what I'm doing right now but I look forward to finding out I don't really know um, which belief system is always the best. I suppose the one that makes us kind is probably a good place to start. Um, so there's a lot of things that I wanted, we have one superstition about people um, reading uh, the grinds in a coffee cup. We, we wrote, it was written in there. I said we googled it and talked about it, discussed it. My cameraman came over and said, "How'd you guys know?" I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "This is this has happened to me twice. I had a woman read these the, the grinds in my coffee cup and predicted." that I would have a child, predicted when, predicted that I would shoot the sequel to my movie, predicted when. People can come at this game from all kinds of places, from Vedantic theory, from past life theory, from religious aspects, from all kinds of places. There's a lot out there that we human beings don't understand, and that's part of the fun of playing in the area of superstition. How many episodes will there be, and will the arc finish from episode one? You'll, there are going to be 12 episodes, and we're filming them right now, and I may have to run back to set because I'm directing, uh, working on episode 9 right now, um, and it's exciting. Oh, man, it's just getting better and better. Um, but yes, you'll see the, some of the themes that started out in number 1 uh, are, are weaved throughout the season and finish or culminate, if you will, by episode 12. So it's, it, you, there, there's things that definitely pay off. So, yeah, that, 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 that are like building blocks that build one to another, um, which is kind of exciting. So you sort of figure out your story, your narrative to some degree in long form, and then each one has its own particular, you know, signature and, and, uh, and, you know, characters that, that they deal with in each episode that are different, but some that line up all the way. And I can't tell you too much more than that without giving stuff away. So there's some exciting stuff coming up. Superstition was only on for one season, but they did complete all 12 episodes. The series has been streaming internationally and is available to buy from Amazon. And you can subscribe on Spectrum TV. 
Sci-Fi Talk Plus is also offering a free lifetime access. No catches. Just click on the link in the show notes. Over 800 episodes available to listen for free for a lifetime. Click on the link. This is Tony Tolado.